Guys, it really is a privilege for me to be here. If you are having trouble hearing me, it's not Matt's fault at all. This whole week, I've been like in bed fighting this cold. So I share all that with you, not to give, like have you give me sympathy in any way, but to prepare you because God has this unique way of um, manifesting himself in our weakness. When I'm weak, he's strong. So I really believe I'm confident that God has something very uh, special for each of us this morning. But before I jump into the text, because I know that you guys are just like kind of our church, we're really big on relationship. Um, I, think, uh, I think it's sadly something that seems to be lacking from this generation's expression of what it means t- to be the body of Christ, to be the church. So I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. Is that okay? You with me? Just, just to give you um, a heads up, my preaching is directly correlated, like the success, the effectiveness of my preaching is directly correlated with your participation. So if you're quiet and it's like crickets and it's awkward, the preaching is going to be really bad, okay? And it's not my fault. It's your fault. So stay with me, okay? You cool with this? All right, great. So my name's Tom. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Ebony. Good Lord, I forgot the year. Uh, it's, we've been together since 2003, got married in 2009. So it's been, it's been uh, this was our last year, it was 10 years. Yeah, we celebrated 10 years. So we've been together for a long time. That's why I'm like, I don't remember just because it's been so long. We've been together almost as long as we've not been together. I think in like two years, we'll have been together longer than we have been. Love her. She's the love of my life. Um, I have, we have two daughters. My eldest daughter, her name is Amelia. She's seven. She just started second grade, which is kind of blowing me away. How many parents in the room? higher. Let me see your hands. Okay, so when you watch it, you hear people say it like, oh, the kids grow so fast. And then when you're a parent and you watch them grow so fast, you're like, this is actually a true statement. It's a trip, man. My kids are growing so fast. Um, My youngest, in fact, she's five. Her name's Vivian. We call her Vivi. She's a pistol, man. Um, But she's fun. She just started kindergarten. This like last week. And We've been through that experience before as a family, right? And your first kid, sending them to kindergarten, it's kind of this traumatic experience because you're like, like they're going to be gone. Like, it's crazy, you know? And, and, and so you have all these emotions with it and stuff. And then this last week, we, like I said, we sent my second, my youngest, um, Vivian, we sent her to kindergarten. And it wasn't near as emotionally traumatizing, you know? But it was still just this kind of like, oh, our baby, like she's, she's, She's going into kindergarten. If you've ever been through this experience, you, you literally like, you stop at the gate of the school and you watch your child walk in with this massive backpack on because this is like three times, too, three sizes too big. It's just, it's funny. But it was interesting because this last week, we went through her, her kindergarten orientation. And we've been through this before with our eldest, right? So this time, I, I feel like I, the first time was kind of the emotional, oh my gosh, my kid's in school, this is gonna be tough. This last time, though, it wasn't as hard. It wasn't as difficult because I'd been through this before. But what they do is basically like the first day of kindergarten is almost like it's like a half day. It's almost like an orientation. And you have all the parents crammed into the kindergarten classroom, and the teacher's kind of giving everybody um, the rundown. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, the kids like have the, they, they get introduced to where they're going to sit at their desk, the whole thing. You tracking with me? You can picture this in your mind, Yes. So the kids, they're sitting there, and the teacher's kind of going through things. And because this was the second time that I've been through this, I was able to just kind of be more observant. Do you know what I mean? I was like checking things out. And it's funny because you can tell. You look around the room, and it's full of parents. You can tell the parents that have been through this before because they're kind of like looking at their watch, like, okay, when is this going to be done? But you can also tell the parents that haven't been through this before. Like grown adults standing in the corner of a room, 
for no reason, trying to fight back tears, like the whole thing. They're watching their kid kind of like sit at the desk and engage and all this stuff, right? And <clears throat> what happened was I'm watching this all go, this stuff go down, and the teacher is trying, she wants to model how she's going to teach the kids, right? So she, she has them at their desk. She wants to teach them and prepare them to get ready for story time each day. And story time, there's like a rug on the, on the other end of the, of, the, of the classroom, you know, it has like the, the, the colored squares where everyone, everyone can sit. And what she does is she goes, okay, here's the process, kids. You're going to stand up from your desk. When I say it's time for story time, you're going to stand up from your desk, you're going to push your chair in, and you're going to go seat, or you're going to go take a seat on the carpet in one of those colored squares. You with me? Okay, so the kids are kind of like, okay, let's try it. Half the kids don't push in their chairs, and they just run over there. She's like, ah, uh-uh, go back, try it again. Teaching them to push and stand up, push in their chair, and have a seat at the carpet. And it was interesting because, like I said, I'm, I'm more observant this time around. And as this is happening, <clears throat> I was thinking about this idea of like, in my experience, so many Christians, they know how to do very Christian things. Like, they know how to go to church. They know how to pray before a meal. They even know how to like pray and ask God for stuff, okay? They know how to do some very good Christian things. Essentially, they know how to stand up from their desk. <clears throat> they know how to push in their chair, and they might even know how to sit on the carpet. Go back to the story. The kids are now sitting on the carpet, right? <clears throat> and the teacher opens up the book. She sits down. She goes, okay, I want you guys to play, pay very close attention here. And it was so cute. My daughter goes, okay, I'm going to turn my listening ears on. She turned, and she, she, she like literally physically goes to turn on her listening ears. And I look at my wife and we're smiling. And like I said, I feel like we're in a season where so many Christians know how to stand up from their desk. They know to do very Christian things. Stand up from their desk, push their chair in, go sit on the carpet. But how many Christians know how to turn their listening ears on? How many Christians really know how to pay attention? That's what we're going to talk about today in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So hopefully you're there by now, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Before I jump into the scriptures, I'm going to pray for us, okay? Will you join me? Holy Spirit, would you help us this morning? Oh, God, help me not to uh, be focused on, impress- on, on impressing these people, but free me to just love them. I really want to honor you and honor them, God. So would you help me to, um, help me to love them, not use them for approval or affirmation? I don't want to get in the way of anything that you want to do, Holy Spirit, so help me. And I ask you that you'd really make us aware this morning. I pray that you'd uh, ask you to like, kind of minimize distractions, help us to listen, help us to turn our listening ears on. You, de- you desire to speak to us because you're a loving father who cares deeply for his children. So be with us. Point us to Jesus, Holy Spirit. That's our deepest prayer. Point us to Jesus. Help us to see him more clearly and hear from you in the process. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to anchor in this very first verse for the day, okay? I'll jump around through some other scriptures, but 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Let me read this to you. Pursue love 
We could do, uh, we could do a 12-week series on those two words, okay? But we're not going to today. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Okay, it says especially prophecy. So this idea of God pours out spiritual gifts onto his children, okay? It's manifestations of his spirit through them. All right, all, every single one of you in Christ in the room, you need to hear me say this. God has given you specific gifts that don't exist for you to make much of yourself or to have a platform or to draw attention to yourself. They exist. You're like a UPS driver. You're there to deliver something, okay? They exist for God to communicate his love to the world around you, all right? Um, hopefully, you guys are in this season where you're exploring your spiritual gifts, and that doesn't stop no matter how old you get in the faith, but you're continually learning more about the ways that God has uniquely designed you, wired you to love the people around you. Are you with me? Okay, so Paul brings attention to this as he's writing to the Corinthians. He says, um, pursue love and earnestly desire these spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Why? Why especially prophecy? Because it's special, all right? But let's talk about this. What is prophecy? What is prophecy? Prophecy has a lot of baggage, especially in the church today. Like our generation's expression of the church, what it means to live out being, um, being a part of the body of Christ Prophecy seems to have this gnarly baggage associated with it. I think there's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of misuse of this spiritual gift. I would argue a lot of redefining this spiritual gift. <clears throat> prophecy, what's, what is it? Um, it's crucial, hear me say this, it's crucial when we talk about prophecy to understand the difference between revelation and prophecy. Okay, revelation and prophecy. Revelation is when God brings awareness to something. Right, he reveals something to you. You tracking with me? Okay, he, he brings awareness to something. That's revelation. Prophecy is declaring that revelation. So revelation that comes from God that is declared. So if it's not declared, it can't be prophecy. At best, it's revelation. Are you with me? This is important. Nod if you're with me. You guys are, are quiet. Yeah. Yes, great. Okay, cool. Um, I need to know because I don't want to move on if you don't understand what I'm saying. So prophecy, declaring that revelation that comes from God. So, hear me say this, to prophesy... You first have to listen. You first have to listen for what God is revealing to you if you're going to then declare it. Uh, Jesus says this in John chapter 10, verse 27. He says, my sheep, that's his people, right? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. His sheep hear his voice. This idea of listening. If you're a child of God, the voice of God is, is, is not just available to you, but it's, it's like it's there. It's for you. You can hear it. it. There's the potential to hear it, okay? So not only does God speak, but as the people of God, we can actually recognize his voice. Um, how many people in the room speak a language other than English? One, two, let's see. How many? A handful of us, okay. Uh, what languages are they? German, Swedish, right on, Indonesian, well done, dude, I saw one over here too, Spanish, wonderful, wonderful, um, it's interesting, like, my church in Temecula, it's kind of the suburbs, um, so say, think same population, almost, like, almost to the T, same population as Ventura, but like the suburbs of nowhere, so like, <laughs> we're not a suburb of San Diego, because we're not in San Diego County, we're not a suburb of Orange County because we're not Orange County. We're not a suburb of L.A. because we're too far south. We're this kind of interesting in-between wine country thing. It's cool. I love it there. I love the people. It's amazing. 
Um, but it's not, it's growing in diversity, but it's not like super diverse. So like I told you, I was with, uh, I was at my daughter's school this last week for her orientation, and they told us that there are over 40 languages spoken in my daughter's school. That was shocking to me. Over 40 different languages spoken in my daughter's school. And like I said, Temecula is not that diverse. I mean, even here, we just, we just were able to rattle off like five or six different languages, which is pretty cool. It's pretty diverse. Um, earlier this week, <clears throat> I was uh, FaceTiming with some dear friends who are uh, missionaries in Northern Africa. And their story is remarkable, but they are, they've moved there to hopefully see a church get planted in the next little while. And part of their, um, they did went through years of training. We would pray for, we've been praying for them. We've sent them out as a family of churches. It's been beautiful. Um, but one of the things they were telling me was just they're adjusting. They've only been on the ground for a month now. So it's enough time to kind of like, they've moved into their space, they're kind of getting settled, but part of the process is they have to learn Arabic because it's the dominant language that's spoken where they're at. And it's not just like normal Arabic, it's like a specific sect of Arabic. It's like this unique thing. So they're in language school learning this, and they were telling me about a story this last week about them kind of getting adjusted. They're in the grocery store, and they're just trying to buy some carrots to like make dinner, and there's this line of angry people behind them because... They're not, they don't have it fully learned the language. They're, 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 they're getting better at speaking it, but listening it, listening to it is a different story. Because when you learn a language, it's not just having to speak it, right? You, you have to be able to like hear it. You have to be able to discern it. You have to be able to listen to it. <clears throat> listen to me. The same thing is true about God. I think Christians are really good at speaking to him. That's a good thing really good at asking for things. That's a great thing. But listening is just as important. Everyone's able to speak to God in languages to understand. But hear me say this. Question for you. Do you know how to listen to God in the languages that he speaks? He speaks languages just like we do. Do you know how to, I know that might be distracting, stay with me. Do you know how to listen to him in the languages that he speaks? Listening is just as important as speaking so, <clears throat> today's going to be really practical. I really want to help as much as I possibly can. I want to help us be able to listen to God in the languages that he speaks. So, I have a very silly analogy for you. If you're taking notes, write this down. Okay, if I see you on your phone like this, I'll assume that you're not texting. I'll assume that you're taking notes. I'm cool with that. Write this down, okay? Here's your silly acronym to be able to help you remember the languages, the ways that God speaks, okay? It's this. God speaks Spanish, <laughs> God speaks Spanish. So the S-P-A-N-I-S-H, God speaks Spanish. That's the acronym. Okay, I'm going to walk you through this. The S in God speaks Spanish is this. It's scripture. It's one of the languages that God speaks to us, the, the ways that he speaks to us, okay? By far, the clearest way that God speaks to his people is through the Bible, okay? Again, I'll get into this in a second, but prophecy is revelation declared, Right? It's not just God bringing awareness to something. It's when God brings awareness to something that is then declared. It's then shared with people. So all of the Bible is prophetic, the entire book. Every word, every page, every verse, every chapter, every book. The Bible is prophetic, okay? So hear me say this. If you want revelation from God, you want to hear from him, you want him to make you aware of things, you want him to speak to you, read the Bible okay? It is, guys, you have any idea how, I don't have my book with me, it's on my iPad right now, but 
Do you have any idea how valuable this book is to us? It's, it's the word of God. It's God expressing who he is, what he's done, what he's like, and how that informs who you are as a person. You want revelation from God? Read the Bible. God speaks Spanish. The S is scripture. Let's move on to the next one. P. Um, the P in God speaks Spanish is pictures. Pictures. So think like in your mind's eye. Um, oftentimes, uh, these pictures in our mind's eye, the symbolism in those pictures is massive. The symbolism of those pictures is really, really important. Okay, there's examples of this in Daniel chapter 10, if you don't believe me. Uh, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 16, others. If you want to reference those, if you, this is not just my opinion, this is in the scriptures, okay? <clears throat> this idea of pictures. So this would include like dreams. How many of you guys have dreams regularly? Okay, many of you. This would be like dreams, this would be like visions. Do you know what a vision is? A vision's basically like a dream while you're awake. You ever, you ever be like sitting there and maybe you're waiting for your coffee or you're like, you're just, you have some time to kill and your mind starts to drift and you start to daydream? Oftentimes I think we try to over-spiritualize things like I had this vision and I was levitating off the ground and it was like, no, like oftentimes it's just your mind wanders and you have this picture. It's like maybe it's a moving picture. Maybe it's like a scene from a movie or maybe it's something that you've experienced before, but it's in your mind's eye. Are you tracking with me with this? Is this making sense? Yeah? Great. Pictures, okay? So think like your imagination, your daydreams, uh, a picture in your mind. I was doing, uh, I was doing a prayer training um, for another church. This was years ago. <clears throat> and it was very similar with these kind of things, like really trying to help as much as I can, help the people of God be able to listen to him on behalf of other people and minister to each other out of that place. Because God has an agenda, dude. Do you know this? Do you know that God has an agenda? And it's to communicate his, his, his gracious love, because we all need forgiveness and grace and mercy. We're all deserving of his wrath because we're sinners, right? But God wants to communicate his gracious love to people. That's his agenda. So we, I, were doing this, I was doing this uh, training, going through this with people, and kind of taking them through a listening exercise. As I'm taking them through this listening exercise, I get this picture in my mind's eye. Is it, can I tell you some stories? Is this cool? Okay. So I get this picture in my mind's eye, and it's this man and he's walking through this field. Picture this with me. This man, he's walking through this field, and he sees this, this like group of flowers, and he, and, he, and, he, and he sees like a specific flower, and he picks it, and he has this huge smile on his face, and he's like stoked and walks away, holds it close and walks away. And I'm like, what is this about? Like I'm leading this training, and I have this like on the surface, the most unmanly vision in the world. I'm like, Lord, what is this about? Like, is this you? What's happening right now? So I'm engaging with him. What's up? And as I'm doing that, this, this woman standing in the room, she's standing off, actually off to my left, and I'm not paying, I've never met her before in my life. I feel like the moment I, like, I glance and see her, I feel like the spirit goes, it's for her. And I'm like, So I am supposed to go up to this woman that I don't know and share the least manly picture in the world with her that I don't understand. God, if this is you, you better clarify this. And I pray on it, and I feel like the Spirit gives me clarity. Remember I said the symbolism's key? Did you hear me say that? So I walk up to this woman. Her name was Sarah. I walk up to her, and I'm like, hey, I saw this picture. 
of this man walking in a field, saw the flower, picked it, held it close, stoked out of his mind, kept on walking. And I was like, I know we don't know each other, but I feel like God wants you to know this picture. I feel like he wants you to know that like he chose you, he picked you, um, and yet you're precious to him. And I says, hey, her. I'm like kind of nervous. Guys, like she, she erupts in tears. It wasn't like a, oh, thanks, I'll think about that and pray and like kind of wipe off. Like full on, like, ah, like so, like an emotional response. It was God in a very personal way for this young lady communicating his love for her in a language that she clearly understood, that I didn't fully get it. Are you with me? This is the idea of picture. Yeah? Cool. Okay. That's picture. The next one, S-P-A, the A in Spanish is awareness. Okay, this is when God makes you aware of information that you did not have prior knowledge of. When God makes you aware of information you did not have prior knowledge of, okay? This is not to be confused with remembering something. This is a supernatural thing, okay? Oftentimes you'll hear people talk about a word of knowledge. Have you heard this phrase before, a word of knowledge? Miss your hands if you have. Yes, okay, that's what we're talking about here. It's supernaturally, God bringing something, making you aware of something supernaturally that you did not have prior knowledge of. Okay, it's, it's, it's knowing something you didn't know before. This, you see this in 2 Kings chapter 5. You see this in 1 Samuel chapter 10, Acts 11, 1 Corinthians 12. This has only happened to me a couple times in my life. But one time it was spectacular. It was pretty intense. Um, I was actually in L.A. You guys know Brad Sarian. He leads Restored L.A. Maybe some of you do. Um, he's part of our family of churches. Wonderful dude. Gifted guy. He leads a church in L.A. and actually in Northridge. They call it L.A., but Northridge is not L.A. I think it's technically L.A. County, is it? Yeah, so it's technically L.A. County, so we give him some, uh, we kind of make fun of him for that a little bit. But I digress. So I'm doing, again, another one of these prayer trainings. And... Uh, Kind of, again, like listening exercises. Like, how do we actually hear the voice of God? Let's spend some time growing in these God languages, you know? And uh, we wrap it up. Long day, like four or five-hour training, but it was rich. It was wonderful. And this young girl, maybe maybe 19, she comes up to me afterwards, and she's like, hey, like, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Like, my friend asked me last minute, and then, like, I think something like she... Her, her shift got canceled at work, so she was like, yeah, I, I can come. So she comes, and um, she's like, oh, I had a, it was a great time. She's like, but, like, w- would you pray for me? I feel, like, I feel like maybe you're supposed to pray for me. And I'm like, sure. And I'll be honest with you, like, you spend a whole, like, four or five hours doing a training, like, you're tired. And I don't know about you, I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. So, like, being around people, I enjoy it, but when I hit my cap, I'm like, I got nothing left, you know? So this young girl comes up to me, asks me for prayer, and I'm like, yeah, I'll pray for you. So I'm just kind of praying. I'm like, I'm trying to seek God, and like, how do you, how do you want to minister to this girl? So I tell her kind of how I start every time I'm going to pray. Let me just listen for a bit, and then I'll pray, see what God wants to do. So I'm praying with this girl, and I'm listening, and like, clear as day, guys. Clear as day. It wasn't the audible voice of God, but it was like, it was clear as day. I hear other kids in the room. Yeah. Um, I want to be very careful with the words I use, okay? Um, she was assaulted.
Can you hear me? Okay, so clear as day, I hear in my spirit, this young girl was assaulted in a physical way that's reserved for marriage. Make sense? You with me? I want to be, I want to try to speak a code here. Um, like clear as day, and I'm like, what do I do with this? I get this pit in my stomach. I'm like, what if I'm wrong? Like, imagine trying to minister to someone, and she's like, actually, no. <laughs> oh, see ya, I'm out of here. Like, awkward, man. So long, so I'm like sitting there, like, God, please, if this is you, like, please, I want to honor this young girl. And I just kind of start praying truths of the gospel over her in light of what I just heard. So I'm like, thank you, God, that um, she's not dirty. Thank you, God, that her purity is in Jesus no matter what. Uh, thank you that what happened to her wasn't her fault. And guys, like, this young girl just collapses into my arms. Um, it still, like, chokes me up. Like, I've, I'm going to chills. I've never seen a puddle of tears like I saw that day. I, I held her while she wept. I'm not exaggerating for, like, 30 minutes. I just held her. And I never used the actual phrase that I heard, if you're tracking with me. I never said that out loud. I just, I just prayed things over her that were true in light of the gospel as if that had happened to her. And she just, she had this profound encounter with God. I was able to minister to her in her place. Long story short, um, her brother called Brad, who's not part of their church. And this girl, by the way, wasn't, wasn't part of Restored LA. She just randomly came to this training. Her brother calls Brad the next day and goes, hey, who is that guy that, like, prayed over my sister? She hasn't told anybody this. It was like a secret that she'd been carrying for years. But God knew. And he knew what her, her struggle, her internal battle that she's going through with this, the pain, the, like, the, the abuse. And he wanted her to experience his tangible love in this. Are you with me? Here's what's even crazier about the story. Like I told you, this isn't a prayer training, and, uh, and I'm having them, I kind of listen, right? She goes to, she didn't know it was my wife. My wife was with me at the training. She goes to my wife, and she goes, hey, what, what was the, the guy who's doing this training? What's his name? I don't remember his name. And she's like, oh, his name's Tom. And she's like, oh, that's interesting. Because I guess she was wearing Tom's shoes, and she was, in the listening time, she felt like God said, when she looked at her shoes, I want Tom to pray for you. So she's like, I don't know any Toms. Maybe, maybe, the guy's, maybe the guy talking is Tom. So she goes to my wife, who she doesn't know it's my wife. Hey, what's the guy's name? Tom. So she's like, oh, I, th I, think, I think Tom's supposed to pray for me. And that's why she came to pray for me. So God had provoked this whole thing so that she could be, she could experience like the soothing ointment of the grace of God on, an, on a wound in her heart that was profound. Are you tracking with me? I didn't know this. I didn't want to get that information, to be honest with you. But that's this idea of becoming aware of supernatural awareness. Are you with me? That's an example. Okay. Uh, the N in Spanish. Nature. Uh, how, many people have you, how many of you guys like to be out in the outdoors? Yeah, so many of us, right? Have you ever, I love being in the mountains. Um, I think it's because I was made in the image of God and Jesus liked to be in the mountains. But either way, I, I feel like I'm closer to God the higher up I go in elevation. That sounds really funny, but it's true. Uh, I just love being in the mountains. I feel like I can 
hear him uniquely and experience. Like, and frankly, like his creation is spectacular. Like how many creatives in the room, whether it's art or music or whatever, right? The coolest thing you've ever created pales in comparison to like the stars, the mountains, the ocean. You guys live in Ventura. Like God is the greatest artist of all. This idea of when you're in nature, right? <clears throat> this is when God speaks through admi- admiring his creation. You see this in Psalm 8, Psalm 19, Jeremiah 1, Romans 1, others. You, this is kind of self-explanatory. God speaking in and through his creation. You with me on this one? That's nature. Okay, the I in Spanish. This is the inner voice, okay? Um, there are examples in the scriptures of people who hear the audible voice of God. Okay, that's not what we're talking about here. Okay, that's not what we're talking about here. This is, this is different. Um, how much time do I have? I'm gonna need to, I need to fly. In 1 Kings chapter 19, there's this story of Elijah. He's a prophet, okay? And he's fleeing from his, for his life from Jezebel. She's trying to kill him. So he flees out to the wilderness, right? He gets away, gets out of town. He, he's trying to save his own life. He's flee, he flees from Jezebel. And he goes out in the wilderness, and it describes this story of like this earthquake happens, but it says that God was not in the earthquake. But here's what's interesting. God had spoken through earthquakes prior to this moment. Remember like Mount Sinai with Moses, right? He shakes things. So God had spoken through earthquakes in the past, but it says that God wasn't in this earthquake. And then it talks about this fire happening, right? But it says that God was not in the fire. Again, a way that he had spoken previously. And then it says a low whisper came like a low whisper, and it said that Elijah heard God in the low whisper. That's what we're talking about in this idea of the inner voice, okay, the inner voice, the still small voice in your heart, in your mind, a spontaneous thought happens, and like I said, 1 Kings chapter 19, Acts 8, a bunch of others. I'll give you an example of this. Um, actually, let me tell you this. The, the story that I just told with that girl, I told you how I ministered to her with her abuse and stuff, that was awareness, right? God giving me a word of knowledge, making me supernaturally aware of something, but it happened at the same, it was kind of two things. It was awareness and the inner voice. You with me? That's, what an, ex- that's an example of this. Um, I have time for one more story. Here, I'm going to tell you one. Uh, so I was leading worship. My background in ministry is I'm a worship leader. I'm leading worship at this kind of large Christian event, and it was the kind of event where there was two meetings back to back. Okay, so what they would do is they would have one meeting, there'd be, a, a, there'd be worship, and there'd be a, a speaker, and the same message would happen at the second meeting, back to back, okay? So after the first meeting, the speaker decided to leave, and it was kind of like, what, what, what do you mean he left? He has to speak in like 10 minutes, so thankfully, this was years ago, but thankfully they had recorded it on a DVD. Or they recorded it or something, and then they burned this DVD really, really fast. And so I don't know, I walk, I'm like, it's a big stage, right? I walk off, the, I'm pretending I'm leading worship, right? I walk off the stage into the wing area, you know, where no one can see me, and I have the, the event organizer holding a microphone just like this, and he hands it to me and he goes, hey, uh, he lets me know what's happened, the speaker's leaving, hey, uh, I want you to go up there and introduce the DVD. And I'm like, and then he walks away. (laughs) So he totally hot potatoes me. There's hundreds of people in this room waiting to hear this guy talk who's not there. And they're going to be like, I came to hear this guy talk, and now you're going to play a video for me? 
and he, he hot potatoes it to me, and I'm like the worship leader. So I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm going to go up there. They're going to throw tomatoes at me. This is going to be bad, you know? So I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, I don't want to address this crowd. And, and the, the crappy thing is, guys, can I say crappy? The crappy thing is, this is like two and a half, three minutes before this introduction is supposed to take place. I have no time to process. I have no time to, like, really consider what I'm about to do. And I'm standing there in the wing, and I'm just like, what am I going to do here? I guess I kind of have to do this. There's no other option, or I just leave. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And then this inner voice, the, the low whisper comes. And I feel like God says, I want you to preach to these people. And then I feel like he says, they're sheep without a shepherd. And then I feel like he says, I'll tell you what to say. And at this point, I'm like terrified. But I'm like, okay, like that was definitely God. Um, I in no way in a million years would think that myself. I have this mic, so I walk out on stage. I'm like trying to build up courage to do this. And I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, we have a DVD for you. Enjoy. And I walk off the stage. I get totally wussed out. Completely wussed out. And I walk out into the lobby. And I'm still kind of like spun. I'm like, what just happened? Like I clearly heard this inner voice speak to me. And it said some scary things. (laughs) I walk out to this, I walk out to the lobby, and I see this woman. I'd never seen her before in my life. And this is going to sound overly spiritual, but just please, I'm not trying to exaggerate this. She was, like, radiant. Like, she had this joy about her. She had this, like, it wasn't like like light wasn't, like, bouncing off of her flesh or anything like that. But it was like, have you, have you ever seen someone that you, you look at them, you're like, whoa, like, that person just kind of, strikes you. Like, I, I saw this woman, she's an older woman, and she, she literally makes eye contact with me, walks right up to me, and can, consider for a moment, I'm like reeling from what just happened. She walks up to me, make eye, eye, makes eye contact with me, and she looks at me dead in the eye, and she goes, I was really hoping you were going to preach. And then she smiles, walks out of the building, and just walks away. I'd never seen her before in my life. What? So you know what I did? My wife wasn't at this event with me. I went home to my wife, and I just wept for like two hours. Because I disobeyed God. That was not me. That was the inner voice of my Heavenly Father inviting me into something that was scary, but definitely had some redemptive potential. This idea of the inner voice. So I, don't want, I, I tell you that story because I don't want you to think that like I'm always doing it correctly, like listening and then obeying. <laughs> Sometimes I mess up too. I need Jesus' grace and forgiveness. Thank God he's patient with us, right? Okay, um, let me move on here. Uh, really quick, I want to say something with you in regards to that. Since then, that had like a profound impact on my life. I'm, I might, it might sound silly, but like I disobeyed God. And he had tons orchestrated to, to care for me and empower me to do what he asked me to do. <clears throat> Went home, wept, right? From that moment, I've had this kind of mantra. I'd rather be wrong about what I'm hearing 
than be disobedient to him. Okay? You guys are going through 1 Corinthians. You know, he's, Paul's already laid out this whole idea of spiritual gifts, and he's saying how, like, without love, they're pointless. Like, you cannot operate in spiritual giftings without love. You cannot prophesy without love. You have to be motivated by love. You remove love from the equation, all bets are off. That's when things get wacky. That's when people get hurt. That's why prophecy has the reputation that it does is because oftentimes people utilize the gift without love, which, remains, which like removes the Holy Spirit from the equation. I'd rather be wrong than disobedient. So that's the inner voice. Okay, we're going to talk about discerning these voices, these God languages in just a second because they're not always God. But the, S in Span- the second S in Spanish is sensing. Um, this is when you just like feel something. This is um, Acts 15, Jeremiah 20, others. This is like intuition. How many moms in the room? Raise your hand. You guys, you ever been like you, I've seen my wife do this, man. We'll be talking. The kids are in the other room and she's like, nothing's happened. There's no sound. There's no, there's nothing remarkable. Hey, hold on, hold on, sweetie. And she walks in the room and like one of them's about to do something terrible, like shove a block in their nose or just something bizarre. That motherly intuition. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's kind of the idea. You sense it. You feel a burden. It's like a gut feeling. Sometimes it's even a sensation in your body. Okay, I've, I've been around, um, I've been in, in situations in the church where, where someone literally physically starts to feel a pain in their shoulder, and it's God cueing them to pray for someone in the room who has shoulder pain, and then that person with shoulder pain gets healed. Just these w- kind of honestly weird examples. You see this in the scriptures. I experienced this the very first time I ever stepped foot into, um, or actually the first time I was ever a part of a, a church gathering. I, was, I didn't grow up in the church. And I remember my parents were out of town, so they, they had me and my brother stay with some family friends um, who were churchgoers. And I think I was probably maybe 10 or 11 at the time. I was young. And th- so they bring me to the church with them. And so when you go to church with them, they kind of siphon you off to the youth group, right? I'm afraid. Like, I've never experienced anything like this. I don't, I don't have any reference for the church. I don't know anything about God. And it was interesting because that day they were walking through the idea of how the church is the body of Christ. Again, this is in 1 Corinthians. Or yeah, this is in 1 Corinthians. This is beautiful. How the church, was the, bo- the church is the body of Christ, right? Many members, different parts. You have the eyes, the ears, the nose, the feet, the hands. We all have uniqueness, but all to contribute and receive, to, or yeah, contribute to the health of the body and receive from the other members of the body, right? You guys have heard this before if you've read the scriptures. The church is the body of Christ. So what the youth group was doing was they, they, they basically were trying to illustrate that, and they had these posters, with different parts of the body. And what they would do is they'd like, okay, hey, you, come up here. You're going to be the head. And they'd hand you a, or not the head, sorry, that's Jesus. Hey, you, you're going to be the hands. And they'd give, they'd give this person, you know, the, the hands poster, and they'd stand in front of the room kind of awkwardly. And then you're going to be the feet, and you're going to be the nose. And I randomly get selected to be the eyes. I don't know anybody in the room. I'm this shy little boy. I'm up there. And I'm probably like the second youngest person in the room too, so I'm already insecure I'm holding this, this picture of the eyes. And at the end of the time, the youth minister's like, okay, we're almost out of time, so I'm just going to kind of pray for us. So we're all lined up in front of everyone. And he prays over us, and I bow my head to pray. I have no idea what I'm doing. And as he's praying, this is going to sound so weird, my eyes start freaking out. Like, like fluttering like, like, I can't control it. I'm like, what is happening to me right now? I have no frame of reference for this. 
I'm holding the eyes thing. It was bizarre. It was a sensation in my, in my, in my body I couldn't, I couldn't describe. But it was beautiful. It was God introducing himself to me. Hey, I see you. I know you. And it's interesting, too, because people have said about me, it's been, it's been prayed over my life that God's made me to be a seer. He's given me a prophetic gifting to be able to see things from his perspective. And as a 10-year-old boy who had no frame of reference for the church, no frame of reference for Jesus, I experienced this sensation of God speaking to me in that moment. You tracking with this idea? That's sensing, okay? More stories, but not enough time. Uh, the H in Spanish is humans, okay? I think we've all experienced this, whether it's a profound sermon from Bert or a conversation with someone, someone ministering to you with prayer. God frequently speaks through his people. That's, the, that's this idea of prophecy, remember? God revealing something to a person who then declares it, right? You with me? H, humans, this is sermons, conversations, interactions, prophetic words, okay? So, this isn't like the most comprehensive list in the world, in the world but this has been really helpful to me. God speaks Spanish. Scripture, pictures, awareness, nature, inner voice, sensing, humans. Those are the God languages, the ways that he speaks. He wants us all to grow in our ability to listen to him and, speak, and, and be able to listen in that language and receive from him. So, equally important of being able to listen, how do we know it's actually God who's speaking? Is everything that we hear, every picture that we get, every inner voice that we hear, every sensation we feel, I stub my toe, God must be saying something. How do we know it's actually him, okay? First uh, John chapter 4 tells us to test every spirit, that not every spirit's from God. Not to believe them, but to test the spirits. So how do we know God's communicating? How do we know it's not the spirit of our flesh or even worse, an evil spirit? How do we know? Here's another acronym for you, okay? We had God Speaks Spanish. The second acronym for you is we beg, B-E-G, to know it's God. We beg to know it's God, okay? The B is biblical. Is what you're hearing, is it biblical? Does it violate Scripture in any way? If it violates Scripture in any way, check this out, it's not God speaking, Um, So an example would be like, yeah, you know, I was praying and I really felt like God told me, like, yeah, man, like, sex outside of marriage is cool as long as we love each other. And it's like this, no, that actually contradicts his word. It violates scripture. That's not, that's not God. He didn't, that that inner voice wasn't him. That might have just been you, okay? Uh, Or how about this one? Like, you know what, what this person did to me, it's just too, it's too bad like, I feel like God's given me permission to, like, I don't need to forgive them. Like, I can hold on to that bitterness the rest of my life because they, because they don't deserve forgiveness, so therefore I don't have to forgive them. Like, that violates Scripture so clearly. God says love even your enemies, right? He says to the degree that you've been forgiven from him, to the degree you understand how much you've been forgiven, you will forgive others. So you track with me this idea, does it violate Scripture in any way? If it does, if it's not biblical, it's not him, okay? The E, is, is it encouraging? Is what you hear encouraging? Jesus refers to, this, to the Holy Spirit as, as the comforter, as the helper, like the great encourager, okay? The Holy Spirit is the great encourager. So, so hear me say this. What you hear, it must be good news, even if the good news is to repent. 
like to turn away from sin and experience God's grace, his love, his forgiveness. The Spirit will speak to us to bring about repentance. Do you guys know the difference between conviction and condemnation? Right? So, okay, so conviction is, hey, there's guilt here. All right? But the Holy Spirit always brings conviction. He is the convictor. He always brings conviction for the sake of providing you freedom and forgiveness and grace to free you from living in the bondage of sin. Do you hear me say that? This is really important. Okay? That's conviction. It's a beautiful thing to free you. All right? Condemnation is not to free you. It's, it says this defines you. You are bad. Instead of, hey, that was a bad choice. Let me help you follow Jesus. Let me point you to, to living a gracious kingdom, kingdom-influenced life. You, you see the difference there? The Holy Spirit convicts, absolutely, but it's out of love to free you from the bondage of sin. Okay? So, does it, does it, does it, um, is it encouraging, even if it's like, hey, repent, turn away? So, um, the message of conviction is always in, incomplete if it doesn't include grace. So here would be, here'd be like an example. Hey, I saw this picture, uh, Nick. I'm praying for Nick, and I got this picture, bro, of, of whatever, and I feel, like, I feel like what God's saying is that, like, you're a disappointment, and, like, that's not the voice of God, like, at all. So if you interpret the picture that you just saw as, I feel like God, like, he's really disappointed in you, and he's like, dude, you can do better than this. That is not consistent with God's character anywhere in the Bible. Conviction, yes. Condemnation, no. I know I just picked on you, Nick. That's not real. You hear me? Do you hear me say that? Okay. Okay. Is it encouraging? If it's not encouraging, it means it's at best incomplete, at worst, not the Spirit of God. Okay? The G, and we beg to know it's him, is does it glorify Jesus? Does what you hear, does it glorify Jesus? This one can kind of be tricky. Okay? This one can kind of be tricky. Um, in John 16, <clears throat> he tells us the Holy Spirit's main objective, the first sentence on the Holy Spirit's job description is to glorify Jesus. That's what he's all about. Look at the glory of the Son of God. That's what Jesus is all about. His main objective is to glorify Jesus. So if what you hear diminishes Jesus in any way, it's not the voice of God that you're hearing. I'm going to say that again. If what you hear diminishes Jesus in any way, it's not the voice of God, okay? So this would be something like, hey, I got this picture for Ian. I got this picture for Ian, and, you know, I just feel like what the picture means is that, like, I feel like God has more love for you, but it's going to require you reading your Bible more, man. Like, you need to spend more time in the Word. So, like, it's really important. God's kind of, He has more love for you, but you reading the Bible more is going to unlock that extra portion of his love. Um, that's not God. Because what that communicates is that Jesus dying on the cross wasn't enough to secure all the love in the world for Ian. Ian actually needs to read his Bible more. If he reads his Bible more, then the fullness of God, love of God for him is available to him. It, see how it diminishes what Jesus has done? You, you with me? It, it, it makes less of Jesus, so it doesn't glorify him. It is the opposite. You with me in this? Okay. Does it glorify Jesus? Um, <clears throat> or how about this one? Let me pick on a lady this time, Sherry. I'm like a stand-up comedian right now, just like calling people out in the audience. Um, let me give a good example here. <laughs> Sorry. 
I love Sherry. This is not real. Um, I got this picture of Sherry, and it is that, oh, my gosh. Uh, I just feel like there's things that you've done that are just too bad. And I feel like the forgiveness of Jesus, I feel like you've just gone too far. Like that's, I know that sounds silly, but do you see how that doesn't glorify Jesus? It minimizes what Jesus has done. It implies that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross wasn't enough for her, even, even the darkest sin. And I'm not just picking on Sherry, that's all of us. Are you seeing this idea, does it glorify Jesus? If it robs Jesus of glory in any way, it is not the voice of God. Okay, I think I've beat this to a, to a pulp here. Okay, one more thing and then I'll call the band up. Check this out, this is awesome. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read this to you. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, that's what we're talking about, specifically prophecy, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Verse 3, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And listen to this, and no one, can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Do you know what he's saying here, guys? This is profound. He's saying, this tells us it's impossible to glorify Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. It is impossible to glorify Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. Stay with me. I know that, that train's loud. It's impossible to glorify Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. What that means is that even the simplest thought that crosses your mind, uh, Jesus' is, love is pretty spectacular. God, God's good. Je- Jesus dying on the cross, that was for me and for people I love. You can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to glorify God apart from the Holy Spirit. Even the simplest thought that you have that goes through your brain that glorifies Jesus is the miraculous intervention of the Spirit of God in your heart and your mind and your body and in your soul. Are you with me in this? Not my opinion, the Apostle Paul's opinion. And in my experience, so many Christians, I feel like they struggle. They struggle to hear from God. But what if... Hear me say this. What if the problem isn't a hearing problem at all? What if they are hearing? They're just not giving God credit for what they're hearing. It's just my thought. I just had this thought. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you cannot glorify Jesus. All right, I'll call the band up. I'll close with this. I'm almost done. I'm going to move forward a little bit so that you guys have the space that you need. Am I encroaching on you? Is that okay? Are you guys with me? Yeah, I know I'm going a little bit long. Is this okay, Bert? I'm almost done, I promise. Okay. Okay. I didn't cough once. Come on. Come on. Okay, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. This is where we're anchored at for the day, right? Pursue love. Okay, we have to have love in our heart. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So, What is prophecy? It's God bringing awareness to something. That's the revelation piece that when shared with other people results in spiritual fruit. Every every story or example I told you of the ones when I was obedient to actually sharing it, 
Every single one of those resulted in spiritual fruit. You guys know Galatians 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So revelation, when God brings awareness to something, that when it's shared with other people, results in spiritual fruit. That's what prophecy is. So, if you want to pursue prophecy like Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, first, you have to turn your listening ears on. Because you can't, ha- you can't prophesy without first listening. Are you with me? And he says, earnestly desire these things. Pursue prophecy as the people of God. How many Christians in the room? I don't mean to put you here on blast, but if, if you have the Spirit of God in you, your spiritual father is saying, go after this because it's unique and it's special. And people encounter the living God when you turn your, you posture yourself in love for the people around you and you listen on their behalf. You turn those listening ears on. And then you have the courage, even if you don't fully understand, to open your mouth and go, here's what I feel like God might be saying. Not thus saith the Lord. I got this picture. I'm not certain what it means. It might mean this, but let's, let's, let's throw it out there. Let's see what happens. And oftentimes, you'll see, you'll see people encounter God through your simple obedience. But here's what it requires. First two words. What are they? What does it say in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1? The first two words, what does it say? You got to take your eyes off yourself, man. You got to care about the people around you enough to go, I'm going to posture myself. I'm going to give of my time, not just to engage with my creator, but to listen for them. You'll be, you'll be surprised at the things that God says. And can I just say one more thing too? Like, can we just consider for a moment the voice we're actually listening to? Like, I don't want this to just be a training morning. Am I okay on time, dude? This is okay? Hopefully this is helpful, the practical God speaks Spanish and we beg to know it's him. But can we just for a moment consider the voice that we're listening to? Like, this is almighty God. All-powerful. All-knowing. Like, he placed the stars in the sky and he knows them by name. Creator of all things. Like, who else knows everything terrible about you (laughs) and doesn't leave you? Like all the sin, like not the stuff that's like, oh yeah, it was kind of a bad choice, but like the deep, ugly stuff that nobody knows about, the stuff that we work, that we work overtime at, at keeping away from people because if everybody knew all of our junk, no one would want to be our friend. Like if I put this, if we had this superpower microphone and I put it up to your head and it revealed all of your thoughts, even from like the last 48 hours, if we did that, we just took turns doing that, none of us would have friends. Guys, think about the voice that we're listening to. Who else knows everything terrible about you and doesn't leave you? More than that, he doesn't destroy you. Like, I'm often, I'm amazed. Like, there's so much, guys, there's so much sin in my life. And I don't say that to be like, I'm not qualified to be up here. No, I'm a repentant sinner. Like, I, I, I repent of my sin. I turn away from it as often as I possibly can. It, it blows my mind that he, God, would be, God would be good and just and right if he destroyed me because I hurt people that he loves. That's what sin does. I sin against him and I sin against others. He loves the world and I hurt the people that he loves. I deserve to be destroyed. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be bad. It wouldn't be like, God's messed up. Why did he destroy Tom? It would be like, 
Yep, dude had it coming. And you're just as bad as me. Consider the voice of the one that we're listening to, guys. God is, he's holy. He's holy. Do you know what that means? That means he's righteous in all of his ways. It means he hates evil. So when I'm sinful against the people that he loves, he hates it. It's crazy that he, he knows everything terrible about us. And he doesn't leave us. He knows everything terrible about me. And he doesn't destroy me. He actually invites me into intimacy with him. And he extends grace and forgiveness to me. This holy, just God is merciful and gracious and patient and long-suffering. Friends, there's no greater love for you than the love of God. Will you stand if you're able? I want to pray for us. God, as we consider your faithfulness, that you don't destroy us, you don't leave us despite our sin, it makes me that much more grateful for the cross. Like the most painfully beautiful thing ever, the cross. Instead of me being destroyed for sinning against you, God, you destroy your son for, sinning, for me sinning against you. It's crazy. There's no greater love than that. There's nobody like you. We want to be people who engage with you, who listen to your voice because you're gracious and even inviting us into a relationship, let alone intimacy. Man. My mind can't help but wander and imagining what our lives would look like if we spent more time listening, if we turned our listening ears on. What would our life look like? What would this church look like? What would Anthem Ventura look like? What would the city of Ventura look like? What would the planet look like? So I want to listen to you now, Holy Spirit. I want to listen to you now on behalf of my brothers and my sisters in this room, these precious men and women and their children. Would you speak? I know that you have an agenda. So I, we listen now, God. Speak to us. Speak to me. I feel like uh, God is highlighting specific um, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to convict. I feel like God's highlighting specific sins. He's already done it for you this morning. He's brought something to mind. Um, and there's been two feelings that you've had. You've felt this sense of guilt. That's not the Spirit of God. Um, that's, that's a different spirit who's trying to condemn you. Um, God, I feel like he's highlighting specific sins in the room that he wants you to experience freedom from to actually receive his forgiveness. And like, I get this picture of a soldier, like, you know, they do the about face thing where they turn around and they walk the other way. I feel like God is giving you um, a beautiful opportunity to walk the other way this morning with power, with his love, with his grace. You can't earn it. You just, you follow him in that. You receive that grace and forgiveness. I feel like God's highlighting reconciliation. I feel like it, I feel like it might have to do with close family members, maybe even parents, where there's like, um, there's still some, there's still some, um, uh, there's like, there's pain there. And I feel like God wants to free that this morning. Uh, he wants to father you. 
He wants to father you. He wants to hold you and lead you and guide you and nurture you in a way that maybe you weren't. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to require... It's going to require him... It's going to require you letting him into parts of your heart that you haven't. Hmm. Is there anything else, Spirit? I feel like he's he's, um, highlighting, he wants to restore joy. Some of you, I feel like, have been going through the motions. In life, you've just been getting stuff done, marking off the the, the to-do list. And the thing that you're missing in the equation of all that is just fellowship with him in it, and that that's going to restore your joy, that you can actually do anything. You can be really productive or you can be not productive, but as you engage with God, as you're with him in that, it'll actually bring you a great joy. So Spirit, we want to be a listening people. We want to be men and women who are not, um, who are not controlled by the culture around us. We want to be men and women who uh, enjoy the kind of current, the stream of the river of your sovereignty, of your goodness. So I pray for every heart and mind in the room that we would really posture ourselves in this moment. I feel like nobody's off limits in this room from you. I feel like you want everybody. No stragglers, no, 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 no sheep that are kind of straying away. You want every single one of them, myself included. So would you help us to, to turn our listening ears on? And then would you give us faith and grace to trust you by obeying you? Listen and obey. Make us a prophetic people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.